Good morning, everyone. So would you please stand with me? We're going to be reading six different things. They're all from Proverbs. We're going to start in uh, chapter 14, 21 through 22. It is a sin to be little one's neighbor. Blessed are those who help the poor. If you plan to do evil, you will be lost. If you plan to do good, you will receive unfailing love and faithfulness. Those who shut their ears to the cries of the poor will be ignored in their own time of need. Those who plant injustice will harvest disaster, and their reign of terror will come to an end. Blessed are those who are generous because they feed the poor. Don't rob the poor just because you can or exploit the needy in court, for the Lord is their defender. He will ruin anyone who ruins them. Don't cheat your neighbor by moving the ancient boundary markers. Don't take the land of defenseless orphans, for their redeemer is strong. He himself will bring their charges against you. Do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it's in your power to help them. If you can help your neighbor now, don't say, come back tomorrow, and then I'll help you. Amen. We continue today in our series, Ancient Wisdom from Modern Times, and we have been looking through the Proverbs and looking at some of the themes that is covered in the book of Proverbs. And today, we're going to be looking at one. We're going to be looking at power, how it should be used why it should be used, the ways in which it should be used, and scriptures have a lot to say on this topic. Um, and so we're going to be diving into that this morning and looking at that. So will you join me in prayer, though, this morning as we dive into God's word, and uh, we're going to dive into this topic of power. Father, we come before you. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your word that's living, it's mighty, it's powerful. And as we open it today and as we engage in this topic, God, I pray specifically for two things. One, that you would challenge us in our own lives with how we use and leverage the power that has been given to us. But also that, God, you would bring healing to maybe wounds and places that it's been used against us. That this would be a room of both challenge and healing. And that, Lord, your spirit would work in the midst of all that, we pray. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen. I want to start this morning by by talking about the fact that power is a revealer. Power is a revealer. It has a... It reveals the nature of your heart. It can... put on display whether or not you trust in our culture or in God, um, it by itself is this thing that when given to us, it can kind of reveal what our life really is about. Now, when I was a kid, uh, me and my brother, we loved two different basketball players. My brother liked Michael Jordan and I liked Larry Bird. And uh, there are some who mistakenly say that Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player of all time and they are wrong. Um, <laughs> <laughs> in my personal opinion, that is, at least. But Michael Jordan was an incredible athlete, quite possibly one of the greatest of all times. Um, I respected watching him play, loved seeing the different things, and I, uh, I watched him all throughout high school, I mean, when I was a kid, and I remember my dad even took me to a game, and I got to watch Jordan play in person. Um, the first time he tried to take me, Jordan sat the bench because he was injured, and so we didn't even get to see it. And so then my dad had to take me a second time so I could go see, <laughs> see Jordan play. Um, but I remember the day came, and it was the day for Jordan to be inducted into the, the, the Hall of Fame, the Basketball Hall of Fame. Um, 
And so I had marked the day on my calendar. I wanted to see the speech. I mean, this is like the moment of all moments. This is the moment where he's going to have an opportunity to address the world and talk about the different things. And I remember marking it down on my calendar, sitting down in front of the television, wanting to watch it, wanting to hear what he had to say. And I ended up turning it off halfway through because of how terrible it was. In his Hall of Fame speech, this greatest athlete quite possibly of all time put on display the exact opposite use of power. He made sure to point out the high school coach who did not put him on the varsity his sophomore year, the coach he flew to the, in, the induction speech so he could point him out to the crowd as if to say, this man was an idiot. He pointed out the guy who made the team over him, who he also flew in there, who was in the audience. He pointed to the NBA veterans who froze him out in his first all-star game, two of whom were George Gervin and Isaiah Thomas. He pointed out jazz guard Byron Russell, who was guarding him on his final shot in a Bulls uniform, and former Bills general manager with whom he had had conflict all throughout his career. The person before him provided one of the most classy, incredible, like, speeches of, like, hey, this person helped me in my career, and thanked them and thanked them. Jordan's speech consisted of, I'm better than you, and you, like, I want to prove to you about how you didn't look into me and all these different things. It was, it, was, it was truly sad to say. John Greenberg, writing for ESPN, he wrote these words. Why bring up on the stage in front of Bastable's echelon all these different people? And he says it's because Jordan is the ultimate alpha male, and this was his alpha male moment. When Jordan brought up his three children, watch this. He told them he felt sorry for them because of the tall shadow that they had to live with. Needless to say, they know that they will forever be second class to their pop. How could anyone live up to those standards? It was a telling Jordan moment, Greenberg writes. It was not the words of a father, but of a competitor. Michael Jordan, the Chicago Bulls guard, was invincible. Michael Jordan, the man, is vulnerable complicated, and ultimately human. He ended the article with these words that I thought was incredibly telling. I miss Jordan the hero. I don't really want to know Jordan the man. I miss Jordan the hero. I don't really want to know Jordan the man. See, when we start talking about power, our world has a lot to say in regards to wisdom and how we treat and use power. Our culture, our society, our time frame says, take that, you leverage it, use it for your benefit. Use it to get what you want. Use it for your pleasure. Use it for your desires. Use it to like, do all these different types of things. The Bible has another definition and wisdom in regards to power and how we use it. Let's take a look at true versus false wisdom. If Proverbs in the Old Testament is like one of the wisdom literature and it's full of different anecdotes and things to describe um, what wisdom really looks like. James is often considered the Proverbs of the New Testament. Read with me from James chapter 3, and it says, if you are wise and understanding in God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life. That's one of the things I love about James. Like, James, you never have to worry, like, what the hidden meaning is. <laughs> James is never like, it's just like, hey, don't be stupid. Here's how not to be stupid. Like, it's bold, it's blunt. That's why I love the book of James. It's one of those, you're just like, oh, okay. And, and he's, he's like, he lays it out there. I mean, he calls our tongue at one point in time, like, full of po deadly poison, vi 
poison that's like set on fire itself by hell. Like that's, that's a strong sentence. But he says, if you are wise and understand God's ways, then your life is going to prove it by living an honorable life, by doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness, watch this, they are not God's kind of wisdom. In other words, he says it's a different kind of wisdom. It masquerades as wisdom, but it's not. He said these things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil kind of conduct. So he paints this picture. He's like, there, there's two different kinds of wisdoms that's provided to us so that's on the table. One comes from God. One comes from this world. One comes from heaven. One comes straight from the mouth of the enemy. One can bring life and sustaining to you, and one can absolutely take and destroy everything that you love and turn you into something that you never intended to be. And he says, the one that masquerades to us is wisdom. It's full of jealousy. It's full of selfishness. It's full of me getting ahead. It's full of me using my power, my place, my authority for my own benefit, for leveraging it for me. It's used in that way. So let's look at, the, let's look at these two different wisdoms and look at the attention. Where does the attention, where does the focus for these two different ones come from? The world challenges us to think only of ourselves. Proverbs 21:13 says, "Those who shut their ears to the cries of the poor." Okay? The the picture you get here, I love it, is that the, the author in Proverbs he's saying like the picture you get is like I, I'm just I only care about myself. I don't care about the, anybody who's hurting or who's broken, who's down and out. Like you get the like they've stuffed their ears and they're like completely being silent to the cries of anybody that could use their help. They're leveraging their power for themselves. Compare that with Exodus chapter three. Listen to how God describes himself. Listen to the imagery. He says, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard the cry of the distress because of their harsh slave drivers. I am aware of their suffering. God looks at Moses and he's like, I've seen my people hurting. I've heard their cries. I'm aware. I am intimately close to the cries of those whose power is being used against them, and I'm near them. That's a stark difference from shutting their ears to the cry of the poor. Secondly, the, it says it's a sin to belittle one's neighbor, where God says, blessed are those who help the poor. Or what about the thinking and planning? The wisdom of this culture says, think and plan for yourself. Like, you do you. Make yourself happy. Do whatever you can. Stomp on anyone. Do whatever. Like, you make yourself happy. That's the main goal. It says, the Bible says, if you plan to do evil, you will be lost. But if you plan to do good, you will receive unfailing love and faithfulness. And then James, it says, bitter jealousy, selfish ambition, and favoritism describe the culture of the nature of the enemy's wisdom. Compared to pure, peace-loving, gentle at all times, willing to yield to others, full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds, God's wisdom shows no favoritism and it's always sincere. See, wisdom, we need to understand that wisdom um, tells us that power 
is a tool. I want you to look at this screen with me real quick. Um, it's an image of a hammer. The room you're sitting in right now, a hammer built all these walls. That hammer in the hands of the right person can create something of outstanding and lasting beauty. Uh, just don't put it in my hands. It just, <laughs> it might stand. I'm not sure it'll be beautiful. <laughs> but in the right hands of the right carpenter, the right person, you can build buildings. You can build incredible, beautiful things. They can build and construct like a home to live in that can last generations, um, last a super long time. But in the exact same tool in the hands of another person, you can end up on a murder trial. Seriously, you know what I'm talking about. All of you at one point in time have held a hammer and been like, hmm, <laughs> I could do some damage with that. <laughs> You're like, this looks like a tomahawk. <laughs> yeah, we were on a mission trip at one point in time and a teenager launched the hammer off the building. And actually, Spencer, who's not in the room, he looked at the kid and goes, is there something we need to talk about, son? <laughs> a little bit. The, the truth is, is that wisdom understands that that power is a tool. It can be used to build, destroy, to create beauty, to create brokenness, to create a lasting future, to bring ultimate destruction, to bring healing and restoration, or to tear everything to pieces. The same exact thing for two separate purposes. The same is true with power. We can use it to serve the kingdom of God or we can use it to follow correctly in step with the enemy and allow our lives to conform to his plan. Power is a tool and how we wield the tool actually reveals what we really believe in. How you leverage the power that you have. And every person in this room, you have some, it might be a sense of leadership. It might be in your family, in your marriage relationship, in a friendship, maybe your teacher at school or on your job or wherever it is, how are you leveraging the authority and the power that has been given to you? Because how you do so reveals a lot of what's going on at the heart level. And what we find is this, is that wisdom understands power as a tool to be used for those under our influence, not for ourselves. The enemy says, no, 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 you use power for you. But scripture says if we do that, then it creates disorder and evil of every kind and that we literally, the nature of the enemy is revealed through our life. If you leverage power just for your own sake, can I tell you something? You're following foot. Step after footstep after footstep, perfectly in alignment with what the enemy wants for your life. He's like, just think about yourself. It won't hurt others. It's not that big, but just you, you, you focus on you. Like, let me give you two well-known cases to prove this. Two people of incredible power, two stories. The first is a man who for close to 20 years had one of the highest ranking positions in a worldwide organization. He was trusted with the life of countless adolescents. Um, he was seen as like the top, top expert in his field. He had been interviewed. He had been on TV. He was well known. Uh, he had been seen by countless parents and uh, teenage girls. But he had taken that power and he had leveraged it for his own perversion. And his name is Larry Nasser. 
If you don't know who Larry Nassar is, Larry Nassar was the U.S. gymnastics leading doctor for more than two decades, more than 20 years. And he abused sexually over 160 female athletes that were abused over the course of that time. 160. Sometimes with the parents in the room. You go, how can that happen? Well, it happened because he used his power. He used his initials tied to his name. He, he, he made it seem like that what he was doing was vital and necessary and all these different kinds of things. And you read through some of these horrific stories of what these girls went through, and you're like, how could this happen? Well, it happened because you had a man who'd been given incredible power who used it only for his own doing. And then the result of that is now he is serving consecutive lifetime sentences, but in its wake too, it's not just ruined his life. There is countless girls who for Decades are going to deal with the broken ramifications of what he has done to them. If we take power and we leverage it and use it for our own evil desires, we will always leave destruction in our wake. But if we take it and we use it for others, that same exact thing can be used for peace, for restoration. And the nature of Jesus can be revealed. One of the greatest ways that the gospel can be revealed is how we handle and how we use the power and leadership that's been given to us. What does our life do with it? Let me give you a second example. Also a man. Also the head of an organization. Also a worldwide leader. But he took his power and he used it not for himself, but he used it for the sake of others. And his name was Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln came into power at a time of strife and conflict because there was many who knew that if he came to power, if he actually won the presidency, he was going to do everything he could to end slavery. And so because of that, instantly, our, the second that he basically became president, our nation ended up in civil war. And in the Emancipation Proclamation, he says this, that on the first day of January in the year of our Lord, 1,863, all persons held as slaves within any state or designated part of a state, the people whereof shall be then be in rebellion against the United States, shall be then thenceforth and forevermore forever free. You had a man who took and used his power to bring freedom and restoration and guidance to a nation. The question is this, is, what are we using our power for? See, wisdom uses power to heal and to restore, not to get. So what do you mean, pastor, not to get? Well, not to get even. It's tempting though, isn't it? You have that power and suddenly you have authority and you're like, well, now I can make them pay for what they did to me. Not to get what I want. Not to get the things that I think that I deserve. Not to get more things, more power, more luxury for myself at the expense of someone else or at the pain of someone else. Like it's, it's utilizing power not to get for me. Because if I do that, if I take power to use for me, 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 my, my, my. Can I tell you something? I'm ple- you are just completely following the perfect plane of the enemy. I'm revealing someone. It's just not Jesus. Notice what James says. He goes, for jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things, they are earthly, they are unspiritual, and they are demonic. 
For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, you will always find disorder and evil of every kind. Some of you are like, I worked at that workplace. <laughs> like seriously, where everyone, it was like a cutthroat, everyone was out for themselves, and it's like the worst place in the world to work at. Like it, you dreaded going into work every single day because there was evil, there was disorder, there was constant chaos. And the reason is because this wisdom, its location is it's earthly, it's not heavenly. It doesn't come from God. It's unspiritual, I mean, it has no lasting value. And it's demonic. It's evil in nature and outcome. This kind of wisdom of just me, 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 get from me, use power for me. Listen to me. It takes your life and it reveals the very message of Satan. Pride, selfishness, focus only on myself. But if we will take the authority and power that's given to us, and if we will use it to heal and to restore, not to get, then I too am revealing someone. But this time it's Jesus. James says, but the wisdom that's from above, from heaven, it's first of all pure. It's peace-loving. It's gentle at all times. Willing to yield to others. It's full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. Shows no favoritism. And it's always sincere. Watch this. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and they will reap a harvest of righteousness. If we will honor that and if we will tap into God's wisdom and we follow those plans, then our life reveals Jesus. By how I lead, by how I love, Jesus is seen through my actions. Let me tell you why this is so important. Because to misuse power is to invite God to oppose you. I'm not the brightest crayon on the box. <laughs> but can I tell you something? If I'm in the streets and Dwayne the Rock Johnson's in front of me, I'm not poking him. I'm not. I'm saying, hello, sir, I will step to the side. Because <laughs> you can crush me like a bug, right? Like, that's wisdom. That's what that is. That's like, like you, don't, you don't get into the street and talk smack with someone five times your size. Like, you just don't. That's, that's stupid. Can I tell you something? Don't pick a fight with the Almighty. To misuse power is to invite God to oppose you to come into opposition against your life. You're like, Pastor, where are you taking that from? <laughs> Let me read to you. If you plan to do evil, you will be lost, Proverbs 14, 22. Those who shut their ears to the cries of the poor will be ignored in their own time of need. That's, some, that's, that's stern, okay? How about this one? Those who plant injustice they will harvest disaster and their reign of terror will come to an end. Don't rob the poor just because you can or exploit the needy in court. For the Lord is their defender. He will ruin anyone who ruins them. 
That's some strong language. How about this one? Don't cheat your neighbor by moving the ancient boundary markers. Don't take the land of defenseless orphans, for their redeemer is strong. He himself will bring their charges against you. The picture you just got is Jesus is like, I'm taking you to the stand, and I'm the prosecutor. I'm coming at you. Like, this is some serious, like, how we leverage and use power is vital and important. Like, I know there's going to come a day that I'm going to stand before Jesus and take account for how I was as a pastor. I take that very seriously. Because he's going to look at me and go, okay, Josh, how did you leverage the power and authority that I gave you? Did you use it to serve them or did you leverage it for yourself? I take that seriously. I take that seriously with my kids too because I'm... I'm going to have to give an account for that. Am I serving my family? Am I loving my family? Am I caring for my family? Or am I only serving my wants, my needs, my desires? To misuse power, to leverage to get more for yourself at the expense of someone else and to hurt, especially the weak and the vulnerable. Can I tell you something? It's like you're saying to God, I want to pick a fight with you. And can I tell you something that's not wise? He's got a strong right arm. It created the galaxy. And you've got a weak glass jaw. Seriously, you're going down. To invite God to oppose you is a mistake. World War II, the United States entered the war because of essentially Pearl Harbor. Um, Yamamoto, from his diary, the one who helped coordinate, plan, and execute the attack on Pearl Harbor, he was 110% against the idea. He was like, this is dumb. Seriously, I'm not generally. <laughs> he, he told his admiral, he told others, he, he said this. Um, he did not feel that Japan could win a prolonged war with the United States, and he felt that the surprise attack while being at peace with the United States and not in an actual engaged war was a strategic, moral, and political blunder. Yamamoto, in his diary, he wrote these words. I fear that all we have done is to awaken a sleeping giant and to fill him with a terrible resolve. He realized, he's like, we just poked the bear. Can I tell you something? Listen to me. To use your power to oppose, maim, and harm others and to get what we want at their expense or attempt to get even is to do the very same thing with God. It's to awaken a sleeping giant and to fill him with a terrible resolve. To invite the very opposition of God into our life. If we leverage power only for our sake, only for what we want, only to get me and mine and my wants and my desires and to misuse powers to invite God to oppose you. But to use it correctly, oh man, it's to invite wisdom health and life. Proverbs chapter 14. If you plan to do good, you will receive unfailing love and faithfulness. Blessed are those who are generous because they feed the poor. Proverbs 22, 9. Or or James 3, 18. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and they will reap a harvest of righteousness. When we take power and we go, no, 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 I'm not going to use it for myself. I'm going to serve and love others. It's like you're taking the seeds of your life and you're splinking it on the ground and you're going, God, I'm asking you to bless it. And God's like, 
Absolutely. God blesses those who use their power for the sake of others. To use it correctly is to invite wisdom. It's to, to literally bless your own life. It's, it's the exact opposite of what the world says. The world says, you chase power, use it for you, and then you'll be blessed. Well, how's that working for our world? Seriously. Like, you think about it, like, the, the world's, if you were to really take the world's concept of power, I mean, you get Hitler, you get Stalin, you get North Korea, you get people who constantly use power for the sake of themselves. This is a true story. How many, just real quickly, raise your hand in this room if you have ever played a round of golf before in your life. Okay. Okay. The leader of North Korea told his people that the very first time he ever played a round of golf, he had 11 hole-in-ones. If you know anything about golf, <laughs> I've been playing golf my whole life. My dad started me young, and I have yet to hit a hole-in-one. I've gotten close, but I've never hit 11 the first time out. But you see what happens is these dictators, they use and they leverage their power for the sake of themselves at the detriment to their people. To use power correctly is to invite wisdom. I know some of you in this room, you're absolute huge fans of Jordan, so I hate to dog him in front of you. Actually, I don't, because I don't like Jordan. Um, <laughs> but you, you, you have the, the display of the Hall of Fame. Let me compare it with another moment where a king received his crown. Let's look at the greatest display of power. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father, and he had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth. And now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Iscariot, Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the father had given him authority, or other versions say had given him power over everything, and that he had come from God and that he would return to God. I'm going to pause there for a moment. Can we just get real for a moment, like dead serious? If I'm Jesus in this moment, I'm waiting till Judas leaves the room to wash the feet. Not that punk. Seriously. I'm like, really? I, I, in a few hours, you're going to betray me. In a few hours, you're going to sell me out. In a few hours, the person I've invested in that I've cared about, you're going to throw me under the bus. You're going to literally sell me out. I'll, I'll just wait. <laughs> I got time. I'll wait you out. You go do your thing, and then I'll wash the feet. But that's not what Scripture says. It's time for supper. The devil's already prompted Judas to betray Jesus. And Jesus has this incredibly powerful moment where it says he knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, had given him power over everything. Do you realize in that moment, Jesus could have just been like, you know what, this plan is not what I'm signed up for. Every human in the world die now. <laughs> he could have. Seriously. He could have been like, God, send all of your angels, just wipe these people out. They're not worth it. He could have been like, oh, you know what, actually, just let them figure it out themselves. I, they're not worth it. He could have went back to heaven and we could have been stuck by ourselves with no salvation. He doesn't do any of those. In fact, the moment when he's been given all power and all authority with Judas still there. Verse 4. So he got up from the table. 
took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, poured water into a basin, and he got on his knees and he did the thing that a Jewish slave could not even be asked to do because it was seen as so lowly, to wash the disciples' feet. At Jesus' Hall of Fame speech, he took a towel and he served. And he dried them with the towel that he had around him. This is the greatest display ever of power. Listen to me. There are two people at the table that reveal wisdom. The wisdom of this world and the wisdom of heaven. You have Jesus and Judas. One grabs earthly power for his own gain, Judas, and sells Jesus out. The other has heavenly power and all power. The one who spoke stars into being who could have just ended the entire universe with a sound from his mouth, instead puts a towel around his waist. One grabs power for himself, the other served an enemy. He washed crud out of the toes of Judas. Why did he do that? In his power, Jesus didn't take from others. He took up the towel. In his power, he didn't demand to be served. He served. In his power, he didn't increase his desire for fame. He poured out love. And in his power, he didn't fight for his rights, but he laid them down because he understood that power used correctly reveals the gospel. And the good news of Jesus Christ was put on display with a towel and some water. What does it look like to truly love others? Listen to me. Judas was placed at the table on purpose by Jesus Christ. Jesus removed all exemptions of who in our life we should not serve in this way. There is no one greater, no one more important, no one who has more value. There is no one who has a higher office, more responsibility, or more weight on their shoulders than Jesus did in that moment. If we choose not to love like this, in essence, what we are saying to Jesus is, I'm actually more important than you. If Jesus chose to love and use his power in that moment, how much more should we? And the answer is because how we use power reveals our heart. This is what the Proverbs are challenging us with. This is what... It's a magnifier. It reveals who you are, how you use it, reveals what's really there. Are you consumed with yourself or do you care about the kingdom of God? It reveals who's truly king of your life. It it reveals what you value and what you treasure. It reveals what you want with your life. It reveals your priorities, your vision, your values. It reveals who your ultimate allegiance lies with. With God or with yourself and the enemy? It reveals a lot. The question is, what does it reveal about you? I want to pause for a moment. I want to take this another direction as well. Many of you, you've walked through these doors and you're hearing this message and it's hard 
because someone in power maimed and hurt you very badly. Might have been a friend, a family member, might have been a mom or dad, aunt or uncle, might have been someone at your work, it might have been someone at your job, but someone took their power and they leveraged it for their own desire and it hurt deeply. And what I want you to hear me say today is this, listen to me, that was them, not your king. Your king is father to the fatherless, defender of the weak, and near to the brokenhearted. And he knows and he has heard. And can I, tr can I just plead with you? Trust him because he says vengeance is mine. If they don't get their right, if they don't get their life right with Jesus, <laughs> there is nothing you could do that can compare to what God can do. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. He's for you. He's not against you. He is a God who loves you and who is a God who longs to restore, who longs to bring healing. And that my prayer this whole week is that in this room today, there would be a sense of healing. Because some of you, you've been hurt in the church world. You got church hurt. There's been, there, there's been power that maybe someone you were underneath, they leveraged it for their own being. And can, let's just be real here for a moment also. Every single person in this room, every person in this room, there's a moment in time you use power for your own benefit. Right? moment in time where you probably hurt someone. That, and all of us need grace and all of us need healing. Both are true. And as we come to the gospel, that's the beauty of Jesus. That's the cross. It's where justice and mercy meet with a kiss. It's where hope is found. The gospel, the cross is where literally it's the place where, where heaven and hell meet together in this conglomeration where God goes, you are absolutely broken and hurting, but at the same time, like I can bring restoration and I can bring hope. And so what we find is that today, my prayer is that in this room, we can find both healing and challenge. May we use power correctly for our own lives and for those which we, we but. The, the, those we have authority over, but may we also find healing from those who have maimed and hurt us. May we realize that God is near you, that he cares, and that he loves you, and he has displayed it by also washing your feet. So this is what I want us to do. We're, it's going to be quite a bit different than what we normally do. Normally we'd end with like a song. We're going to end with a somber moment. We're going to bring the lights down. And I'm going to let you know what's going to happen before it happens. That way, like, you don't have to be stressed or worried. If we can bring all the lights down. I want everyone to just bow your heads and close your eyes because this is everyone. This is a moment between you and the king. Um, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand because I just want to be able to pray with you. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to ask you to move out of your seat or anything at all along those lines. This is, this is I'm, like I said, I'm praying that this is a house of healing today. If you're here today and you've been maimed, you've been wounded, maybe you've carried this with you for decades. Or someone used their power for their own benefit and the wound is still, it still lingers there. And today you're saying, God, I need your help. 
I need your I need your help. I need your strength. I need to be able to to hear you and be reminded that you're near me in the midst of my brokenness, that you're near me in the midst of my pain and that you love me and that you care and that you want to bring healing. If you're here today and you're saying, I'm, the, I'm in that place now. And again, this might be a wound that happened like in your childhood. But you're saying today, God, I, I, I want healing from that. If that's you with no one looking around, this is just you and Jesus, would you raise your hand in the air? Thank you. There is hands going up all across this room, both services. Thank you. All right, you can put them down. Second question. Again, this is you and Jesus. If you're here in this room today and you're like, you know what, today I need to ask forgiveness from God because I have leveraged my power for my own sake, my own doing, and in the process I know that I've hurt and I've maimed and harmed others, and today I need to go, Jesus, will you please help me? Please forgive me. If that's you today, will you raise your hand? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let me pray for both of you. Father, we come before you. We thank you for the cross. God, Jesus' whole life, every step, every movement, every moment, he looked forward in anticipation and it was heading towards that moment, that moment on Calvary where salvation would be put on display, where the true weight of sin and brokenness would be met out and your wrath fully placed upon Jesus, but also that justice and mercy and kindness could be given to us who didn't deserve it, but because our king took our place. Lord, I pray today, you are our healer. You are our comforter. God, I know that there's people in this room that they've been hurt and they've been wounded. Some of them even by, Lord, your own followers, even by the church itself. And God, I pray that in this room right now, there would be a special sense of your presence. Holy Spirit, would you move past anything and everything that we can do? And would you bring healing and restorations to hearts right now? Lord, to every person who's been hurt and maimed by someone else who took power and they leveraged it only for their own evil desires, God, bring healing in the name of Jesus, we pray. Jesus, would you meet them right where they're at in this moment, we ask, and bring healing to their heart. God, I pray, let your word ring true. Would you be near the brokenhearted? Secondly, God, we pray for those and by those, I mean all of us in this room. For all have sinned. All have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us, Jesus, at one point or another, we have used power for our own sake, our own gain, at the expense and pain of others. And we ask for forgiveness. God, I pray that you would empower us to realize that you in heaven have forgiven us, but also you would empower us to be able to forgive ourselves. That, Lord, not only would we ask for forgiveness, but that we would turn from those broken things and those broken patterns and that we would turn towards you, Jesus. Father, we pray that in this room today, there would be healing and restoration. That, Lord, maybe there's some phone calls we need to make of, of either asking for forgiveness or giving forgiveness. And that, Jesus, that in everything we do, 
that, Lord, we would be careful to give you honor and glory. But in this place, God, I pray that you would challenge us. Lord, if there's some areas we need to turn from or we need to ask for forgiveness of, would we do that? But also, Lord, that this would be a place not just of challenge, but of healing. Will you bring healing? In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Just a moment before we leave this place today. Um, again, we are ending a little bit different than we normally do. I want to issue us a challenge because here's what I know is going to happen. In just a few moments, we're going to head out those doors. We'll have some conversations. At some point in time, you're going to end up at a table somewhere with possibly a delicious slab of meat in front of you. Most certainly not a salad because those are of the devil. Um, <laughs> but this is what can happen. If we're not careful, everything we just did goes in one ear and right out the other. And God today, he's wanting to do something. Can I plead with you? Take action. If you've leveraged and used your power to hurt someone, can you ask for forgiveness? Maybe you need to tell someone. Maybe you need to specifically say, hey, I'm asking you forgiveness for what I've done. But if you've been hurt or you've been wounded, can I encourage you, find someone to confide in so that you can hear the voice of heaven from a trusted follower of Jesus Christ who says, God's with you and I am too. Every person in this room, I promise you, we've done both. We've leveraged it for our own and we've been maimed and wounded because we're human and we've made mistakes. Both have happened. So God wants to provide restoration on both ends. May we be people, because can I just tell you something? Our world needs this. May we be the people of God out in that community, in this world, because we need that. America is where America is at because we've misused power, both sides of the aisle. Both sides have been like, I want mine, I want mine, and we're in the state we have that we're in right now. Everyone's out to get for themselves. And what I'm challenging you is, what if the people of God actually rose up and we were the people of God in our community? in our world. But can I tell you, change is not going to start in Washington. Change is going to start in our living room where we go, okay, God, start in this heart. I need a personal revival inside Josh Johnson and his household. Because if that starts there, then I can bring peace and I can be love and kindness and utilize the power that I've been given and realize there's going to come a day you are going to have to give an account for the power you've been given. So start now. Let's be the people of God. Let's be people on mission. Let's be the light and salt of the gospel to this world. And let's have a phenomenal week. And let's love this world like Jesus would love this world. 